We begin the 11th chapter of John's Gospel this morning in our sermon series through the Gospel of John. And if you thought the Trinity was a difficult subject last week, well, here you go. We got one of the most difficult subjects in all of Christianity to talk about today. Not difficult in intellectual understanding, but difficult in really accepting. That chapter 11 focuses on the raising of Lazarus from the dead, which happens to be the last of the miracles that John includes in his gospel before Jesus is crucified. And so in a sense, it is the climactic miracle. But we're not looking at the whole story of Lazarus today. Spoiler alert, he's going to die, but he's going to be raised from the dead. So we'll talk about that next week. Today, we are looking at the hard part of the story. Next week, we get to look at the good part. Today, we're looking at the hard part of the story. And we have to deal with one of the most important and challenging questions we face as Christians and really as people. Why does God allow us to suffer when he could easily stop our suffering? Why does God allow us to suffer when he could easily stop our suffering? Our Old Testament reading from Psalm 13 cried out, How long, O Lord? The implication in that question is that God can do something, but for the time being has chosen not to. And so to answer this very difficult, important question, we're going to turn to John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. So I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles or the bulletin to the text and let us hear the word of God. For God speaks his truth to us. And this question is so important. Let's hear the word of God. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, that is Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. 
that I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you bless the reading and hearing of this word. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would use me in spite of my, my sins and my weaknesses to clearly and faithfully proclaim your word. To provide the truth that your scriptures so clearly contain. And give us ears to hear it, O oh God. I pray that your spirit would open hearts and minds to hear the word today. Minds young and old, those who are familiar with the faith and those very new and not knowing anything about Jesus. I pray for all of us in here that we might know what you would have us to know and that our hearts might be shaped by the truth you reveal, that we might know Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. So today we are taking a very narrow focus with our big question, and that's really all we're looking at, that if God can easily prevent our suffering, then why does he allow his people to suffer? We are not going to look at Mary anointing Jesus. That happens later in chapter 12. We're not going to talk about the fact that there's like 12 hours in the day and work at daytime versus nighttime. We don't have time for that. We don't have time to be like, Thomas, what are you talking about in verse 16? We, we don't have time for that today. We are narrowed blinders on if God can easily prevent our suffering, then why does he allow us to suffer? And so we're going to first try to figure out why we think that's a problem. Like, why do we think God should stop our suffering? And then we'll consider some answers for why it might be that he allows us to suffer and then really try to adjust our focus, if you will, like we're at the eye doctor, option one, option two. Adjust our focus so we see clearly and biblically how we should view suffering. So the example of suffering we're giving in our Bible passage this morning, it's the illness of Lazarus, that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and Lazarus was very sick. And so his sisters send a messenger to Jesus to tell him about Lazarus's condition. And they appeal to his love, his friendship for Lazarus, and they desire that Jesus would heal him. They don't come out and say it, at least the message doesn't seem like it, but that's the implication and so even though Jesus is more than likely about a hundred or so miles away from them, they are looking for help. They want Jesus to heal their brother. And we need to just take a moment and appreciate the relevance of their situation. There are two sisters here who have a loved one who is sick, so sick that they are about to die. 
His condition is getting worse. They do not want to lose their loved one. And they know they have a friend who loves them in Jesus. And they know that that friend has healed people of sicknesses like this before. And so even though you can't technically call their message a prayer, it's sure close to a prayer. They are crying out to Jesus, heal our brother. Now, we don't know exactly what Martha and Mary knew about Jesus's ministry, but it is very likely they knew what Jesus did at the end of John chapter four. That at the end of John chapter four, we read about another one of Jesus's miracles where on this occasion, a man traveled roughly 20 miles to get Jesus to come home with him and heal his dying son. And Jesus did not go with him, but instead told the man, go, your son will live. And then at that very moment, Jesus miraculously healed that man's son. And so if Jesus could heal someone from a distance of 20 miles, like what's a hundred miles? He gets really good service. Okay. That's it's, he's not out of range. He is not in a dead zone. Distance is not an issue. The issue is will Jesus heal him? And to us, as we read this story, this is like a no-brainer. You should heal him, Jesus. You need to keep Lazarus from dying. Your friend is very sick. His sisters have asked for help. And you have the power to help. And it's not going to be that hard for you. Therefore, you should help. We would even go so far as to say, Jesus, you are obligated to help. That it would be a dereliction of duty to not help. It would be like if Superman was in his apartment sorting his sock drawers and heard on TV that there was a plane about to crash nearby. It doesn't even have to be nearby for Superman. Just a plane about to crash. And he's like, all right, black, 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 blue. Like, and just, just kept sorting. We would be furious with Superman. You can do something. You'll be back like that. You don't even have to talk to the media. Just... Stop the plane from crashing. Come back. Sock drawer. There you go. But why do we think that way? I know it's obvious we think that way. But why do we think this way about suffering? You see, we think suffering should be prevented because suffering is bad. And suffering is bad because it is unpleasant to experience. It is not enjoyable. It hurts. And we like good feelings, not bad feelings. And this is really obvious stuff, okay? And so we don't like suffering. And so we try to live our lives without suffering. Or with as little suffering as we can possibly handle. In fact, if you made us choose what we would like, we would really like to live forever without suffering. If only that was somehow possible. Um, That's what we want. That's our goal. 
And that is our modern attitude towards suffering, that we seek to prevent our own suffering at all costs, unless, oh, there is an unless, unless our suffering will clearly lead to an obvious greater good. Okay? So, we may endure sitting in the cold and rain for the greater good of watching our child or grandchild play sports. Right? We'll do that. We'll complain about it, but we will do it. We will suffer, diet, and exercise for the greater good of our health. We would even choose to endure the suffering of injections or surgery for our own health and future lack of suffering. But for the most part, our default position is avoid all suffering, if at all possible. We'll allow it if we're okay with it in some instances for very clear, better purposes that could even be debatable, but we don't want suffering. Yet here in the Bible, Lazarus is sick. He is suffering. And Jesus, hearing of that suffering, allows him to suffer more, longer, to even die. And this passage presents a very clear and uncomfortable example of God not preventing suffering that we would want him to prevent. That we, if we were in God's shoes, would act differently. And so we have to ask, Why? Why is God allowing Lazarus to suffer? Why does he allow us to suffer when we clearly would say no? So what we're going to do is we're going to run through a list of wrong answers to this question of why God allows us to suffer when he could easily stop it. Okay, so here's a few wrong answers. Wrong answer number one, God is unable to stop our suffering. Then maybe it's, oh, you know, wish I could, hands are tied, you know, like, I just, you're really far away. That's, ugh, that's like a really rough case, can't do that. No! He's God. He is almighty, he is all-powerful, he can instantaneously remove our suffering right now. Jesus could have very easily healed Lazarus from that great distance away, just like right now, if any of you are suffering and you pray to God, he could right now remove it instantaneously. It cannot be that God is unable to stop our suffering. That is a wrong answer. Okay? Another wrong answer is that, well, maybe God didn't hear us. Maybe he doesn't know that we are suffering. God hears our prayers. He tells us that in his word. In fact, our call to confession today from Psalm 139, we read about how God knows our every thought, our every word, knows our every movement. So he knows even before we ask. It is not that God is ignorant It is not that God's prayer voicemail box is full and he's taking some time to clear it out. Jesus knew Lazarus' condition. He heard it from the messenger, but also supernaturally knew when Lazarus had died. So God does not allow us to suffer because he is unaware of it. He is aware of it. 
and He can stop it. Do you sense the discomfort creeping in here? Okay, well maybe another wrong answer is that God has already determined all things and if He were to grant our prayer request, that would change God's plan. Mm. That's a really faulty understanding of how God's plan and decree works. See, God has unchangeably decreed whatever will happen. But God also works through what we call secondary causes. So like, if I want to send you a card for Christmas, I would send you the card... But the postal worker delivers the card. So in the same way, if God is going to choose to heal us, he will often work through the secondary means of like a doctor or even our prayers. And so it's not like God says, sorry, I kind of like this was part of the plan, guys, and I'm not allowed to change the rules. And, you know, my my hands are like, no. God answers prayers. God does act in that way. It is not that he's locked into a predetermined plan. Okay, so God is able to stop it. He knows about it. He is free to stop it. Still doesn't. So why else could he not stop our suffering? Well, there's two partially wrong answers I want to get at. One partially wrong answer is that maybe we didn't ask in the right way. That we haven't said the correct prayer. We haven't done the right things to get God to do what we want. Now, on the one hand, it is wrong to think of God as a divine vending machine. That we need to put in the correctly, finely pressed bill or change in the machine to push the right button to select no cancer. Got it. Okay. That God is not a divine vending machine that we have to push the right buttons to get our answer. But on the other hand, the Bible does say we need to ask in faith. Trusting the Lord can do what we are asking for. That we are to ask for things in line with the Lord's will. For good things. And so I imagine if you were to sit down today and feeling overwhelmed with all there is to do around the house and you said, God, God, would you please give me a butler and three housemaids? And just there's so much to do around the house. Like a gardener would be great too. It, would you just please, I just can't bear the suffering of having to do all of this myself. Please. You know, that might not line up with the God's will sort of thing. That we are praying essentially to not literally have to do anything. And so yes, we should ask for good things, things in accordance with God's will in faith but we also don't have to worry that like we didn't push the correct vending machine button and now we are getting Twix instead of the Reese cup. And so the wrong answer could be we didn't ask the right way. A second partially wrong answer is to think, well, maybe God is allowing me to suffer because I've sinned, that I've done something wrong. And that was the focus of chapter 9, where Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. The disciples saw the blind man and they asked Jesus, who sinned, that man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, it was not because either of them sinned. And so our suffering is not necessarily the direct result of our sin. Having said that, it is possible that our suffering is a consequence of our sin. 
It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And so when we are suffering, it is fair to consider our sinfulness. To go to the Lord and to repent and say, God, forgive me for my sins. That this moment of suffering is causing me to reflect on the fact that I deserve worse than what you're putting me through. Forgive me for my suffering. But it doesn't mean you are suffering because of your particular sins. Not necessarily. And so there we got three wrong answers, two partially wrong answers. And it's we're narrowing our focus to the last uncomfortable answer. Because if God is able to stop our suffering, okay, so he's able to stop it. If God is free to stop our suffering, see, now I'm already forgetting. There's way too many reasons. We've got to figure this out. Okay, yeah. He, he could be stopping the suffering in that way. He also is not, we haven't done the vending machine thing wrong. We haven't sinned. We're running out of reasons. And the last reason hurts. God, is it because you don't love me? Is that why I'm suffering? If you're powerful enough to stop it, if you know about it, if you're free to stop it, if I've asked the right way and I've not done a sin that has led to this, God, is it because you don't love me? And you know what's really awesome about that? Is the passage tells us the exact opposite. If you look at verses 5 and 6, we are told... In fact, that God allows the suffering because of His love. Look at verses 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when He heard that Lazarus was ill, He stayed two days longer in the place where He was. See that so? That's a big word right there. So. It was because of the love that Jesus waited and didn't heal him right away. The motivation behind Jesus not healing Lazarus right away was love. The kids know that works sometimes that way with candy. feels weirder to talk about it here instead of candy. But it was his love that kept him from preventing suffering. Now that causes us to scratch our heads because in our view of things, if you love someone, you will try to prevent their suffering. So why in God's love... Is he allowing suffering? Well, this passage tells us a little bit more about why Jesus did not prevent the suffering. That not only do we learn the reason or the motivation behind the decision, which is love, but we are also told the intended purpose of the decision, the desired results of that decision. So the reason for allowing the suffering was love. But there are two purposes. The first purpose is in verse 4. Jesus says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So that there's purpose there. The first purpose behind Lazarus's suffering is that Jesus would be glorified. It is through Lazarus's resurrection. That Jesus' resurrection power is seen. It was the opportunity for Jesus at the climactic moment before his death to show his ultimate power to give life to the dead. So that was the first purpose. 
He tells them a second purpose in verses 14 and 15. He says, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. So that you may believe. The second purpose is clearly connected to the first. That Jesus knows that this miracle of the raising of Lazarus will strengthen their faith. That in the weeks that they are living, leading up to the death of Jesus, they needed to know He was more powerful than death. And we, when our loved ones are near death and we are near death, need to know Jesus has the power over death. And so really, the answer to the big question, why doesn't God prevent all our suffering, is in this passage. It shows us that out of His love for us, God allows suffering to reveal the glory of Christ and strengthen our faith in Him. Out of love, He allows us to suffer to reveal the glory of Christ and strengthen our faith in Him. And as we start to hear that, we need to begin to adjust our perspective in an important way. Because we got follow-ups. I mean, this is one of those, like, I got follow-up questions here now. And we got to figure out how do we do this? How do we develop this kind of attitude towards suffering that is biblical instead of the worldly way of suffering away at all costs? How do we see it in the way God shows it? Okay, so we're going to go through three questions, try to go quick. First, if God uses suffering for good, are we allowed to ask him to take it away? You know, if God's going to use it for something good, why do we want to pray for it to go away? Are we allowed to pray for it to go away? Well, hopefully, since we prayed for stuff earlier, we're allowed to pray for that. But yes, we are allowed to pray for God to remove our suffering. In our New Testament reading, the Apostle Paul said, I prayed three times, God, take this thorn away from me. Now, probably not a literal thorn, metaphorical thorn in the flesh, some kind of physical suffering. And God said, no. And Paul was okay with it, recognizing that God still loved him. And through his suffering, he would be weak and Christ would be strong. In other words, the glory of Christ would be revealed through that suffering and Paul's faith in Christ would be strengthened through that suffering. And so, yes, we can and should pray for healing with the understanding that God does accomplish those good purposes through suffering. Okay, well then, should we just enjoy suffering? That's the second question. Should we get into a masochistic mindset where we just, yeah, bring it on, make me suffer? Like, should we do that? No, no, no. We are not told to do that. In James chapter 1, verse 2, we are told, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He doesn't say count every trial joy, but count all of it joy. The broad perspective that, guess what? As horrible as suffering feels... We have a God who loves us and is going to somehow, some way, bring good out of it. And so, as awful as it is, as terrible as we feel, there is a joy we take that good 
will come out of it through God's power. Which brings us to the third and hardest question where we can't get our perspective changed. What if we can't see what God's doing through our suffering? That sounds great, Pastor. But I'm doing this right now. And I don't know what God's up to. What if I can't see it? What if we are in the midst of terrible suffering and have no no idea how God's going to use this for good? See, we want to be able to see the good God will do through our suffering as we are suffering. We want to see it then. See how good the kids were when they knew why mom and dad weren't letting them have something? Try to have mom and dad have a higher purpose that they can't grasp yet at their age. They won't understand it. And the same for us with God. It isn't always the way that we get to see in the moment what God is doing. And you know what? The Bible doesn't shy away from that either. Consider the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous older brothers. He was wrongly accused of sexual assault. He was imprisoned for years. And as a slave and in prison, Joseph didn't know how God was going to use his suffering for good. Later in his life, he did see it. And it's recorded in the end of the book of Genesis for us. But guess what? Not in the moment. Not in the jail cell. Not in the betrayal. Not in the years of pain and suffering he was feeling. That all he could do was trust. Was trust that God was good and bring it out. Now, I like to be thankful that we have the story of Joseph. We don't have to live the story of Joseph. Joseph didn't have, oh, let me open up the end of Genesis and feel a little better about this. We at least have the Word of God to show us God does things in this way. That God can bring good out of this. So when we think about asking, why doesn't God prevent all of our suffering This passage helps a lot. But sometimes, kids, this is for you. Has your teacher ever told you maybe check your work? Yeah? Okay. We got to check our work. And the way we check our work here is we ask the guy who suffered. Would Lazarus agree? Would Lazarus say it was all worth it? Would he look at these reasons we've talked about and go, those are very good justifications for why I suffered excruciating pain and even death. Would he say that? I mean, he suffered a lot. He was on a sickbed, didn't have medical care, didn't get to go to the hospital, didn't have sterile instruments, didn't have Tylenol, and is just hurting. Praying, anxious, am I going to die? And then he does die. Jesus raised him from the dead. But now I want you to take a trip with me to one of those chapters that isn't in the Bible, but boy, I wish it was. A few, few years later, decades maybe, and Lazarus is old. 
And Lazarus is sick again. Let's imagine Lazarus is now in a hospital. He's lying there and he's suffering and the doctor has just told him there's nothing more we can do. And he's in one of those hospital rooms where he's got a buddy next to him. And his buddy next to him got the same diagnosis and he is just devastated. Just like hurting. And he looks over and he sees Lazarus and Lazarus is at peace. He's like, what? He's looking at him like, what's the deal? And Lazarus just looks over and he's like, first time. Yeah. He's been through it. He's been through it before. What comfort would Lazarus have on his deathbed knowing I'm going to hear that voice again? That's going to say, Lazarus, come out. What comfort would Mary and Martha feel as they approach death, as they saw their brother die again and be like, all right, see you later. Is that not is that kind of comfort to the worst thing in the world not worth that suffering? I think Lazarus would be okay with that. I think Lazarus would be okay with that because of Jesus. And because Jesus not only raised him from the dead, but he also went to the death for us. And he had a purpose in mind in that death, a joyful purpose, not that brought joy out of his sufferings, but joy because of what would come through those sufferings. That he would be glorified and many would believe all because of the love of God. If God can bring good out of that kind of suffering, if he can bring good out of Joseph's suffering, out of Paul's suffering, out of Lazarus' suffering, that's the same God we worship. And so let us adjust our perspective and pray that God would adjust our perspective by his spirit so that we can see suffering the same way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. We're all going to suffer. Many of us are suffering and have suffered greatly. And this does not all of a sudden magically make us happy. This does not magically take all of the pain away. This does not wipe all of our tears away just yet. But God, you are good and you give us hope. You give us hope that you're not done yet. You give us hope that for those of us who believe in Jesus, it is absolutely true that this does not end in death. For Christ rose from the dead, and so will we if we believe in Jesus. And so I pray, God, that you would give us that hope, that you would help us to see suffering in that way. And for anyone in this room that does not know Jesus in that way, that you would open their hearts to believe. And for those who are suffering in this room, that they would hear the hope that is in Christ and to know that God loves them and that we would cry out in desperate prayer for help, crying out how long, but also ending by praising you for how good you are towards us in Christ. So come for us, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen.